Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know that Paul, got a pen, got a pad, get it ready. Paul has traveled from Athens, give me your attention, has traveled from Athens to Corinth and then on to Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, Paul went into the synagogue, we talked about last time, and he spoke boldly for three months and he spoke in a rented school in the school of Tyrannius. And uh, he rented this school probably because it was cheap and it was unused because the people in the Middle East in that time, and even still today, as a matter of fact, if you were to travel to Israel, many, many businesses and families, they shut down between the hours of 11 and 4 p.m., And the reason why is because it's just hot. It's hot and uncomfortable. So Paul took advantage of that. Between the hours of 11 and 4 p.m., Paul rented the school of Tyrannus. And he would have Bible study in that place. And God, as you know, if you were with us, was using Paul mightily as people were stealing his sweatbands and using them as a point of contact for people to be healed. And God was doing that to give great testimony to the message of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about the seven sons of Sceva. You remember those seven Jewish boys who were exorcists? And a man came upon them, you listening? A man came upon them, and this man had demon spirits. He was filled with demons. And these seven sons of Sceva, these boys playing around with demonology, and they had no business. Amen. Thank you, sister. Amen. Don't be messing with the occult. All y'all say amen. amen. Okay. They come upon this man that has a demon. Greatest story in the book of Acts. And they walk up to this man. They say, they say we, we cast you out in the name of the one whom Paul preaches. And in my Bible, I have written in my margin, mistake. We cast you out in the name of the one and the demon, the Bible says, the demon said, which that would have been plenty for me. (laughs) The demon said, as soon as the demon say anything, Pastor Rodney out. (laughs) Do I have any fellow runners in the house? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Pastor got to go. 
And the demon said, looked at the boys and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? And the Bible says that that demon, that evil spirit beat them up and sent them out naked. And it became headline news in Ephesus, in the big city of Ephesus. Well, notice in your Bibles, look at chapter 19. As many believed in chapter 19, verse 19, as many believed and they brought all their evil stuff and they burned it and the value of it was 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money, y'all. And then look at verse 20, Acts 19 and verse 20. Would you mind reading it with me? So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That's where we left off. We pick up in verse 21 as we go back to Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 21. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit And when he had passed through Macedonia and Acacia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. You want to notice when... These things were accomplished. What things? Well, we've talked about them. After this incredible ministry at Ephesus, God has done amazing things. God has been healing the sick and casting out demons. And the best yet, people were really changed and coming in droves and throwing their magic stuff in their books and they're following Jesus. And when these things were accomplished, according to verse 21, notice Paul purposed in his spirit after he passed through Macedonia and Acacia to go to Jerusalem. He purposed in his spirit. So before getting to Jerusalem, listen close, before getting to Jerusalem, Paul wanted to visit the churches in Macedonia and Acacia. Why? Because this is where Paul has planted churches. And in true form and fashion of Paul, he would go back to the churches that he planted to see how they were doing. But also Paul went back to these churches because as you put the stories together in Romans chapter 15, that's your homework in your own time. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you put the stories together. We find out that Paul went to Macedonia and Acacia to gather financial support that the church put together so that he could take it back to Jerusalem, the mother church. Because the church began in Jerusalem, you know that. That was the first church. And apparently, as we study the scriptures, we learn that in this first church, for some reason, there had been a famine. We really are not told exactly what it was. But there was a famine of finances, and the church obviously had gone bankrupt. It's very possible that they had gone bankrupt because they used their resources to help other churches get going. But either way, we learn from the scriptures that Paul went to Macedonia and Acacia to get some money because the Jewish church and the Gentile church in that area had collected some money to take back to the mother church in Jerusalem. And I see that as a God thing. 
I see that as a God thing. Could it be, could it be that God allowed the church in Jerusalem to experience financial hardship in order to bring the two churches, the two nationalities, if you will, of people together, the Jew and the Gentile. See, don't you remember the Jew didn't like the Gentiles, even though they became Christians? Because in the Jewish mind, they thought the Gentiles were created for the fathers of hell. So when even when they became a Christian, there was still a division and a separation between the Jewish church and the Gentile church. So God, could it be that sovereignly God begins to orchestrate things so that the mother church is in need, causing the Jewish church and the Gentile church to have to pull together their resources and work together to be a blessing to the church that sent them out. And I love that. Because it tells me about the sovereignty of God, that even in your financial hardship and your difficulty, don't you know that God is working it out? Amen. Amen. Tell me 30 more, more than 30 people agree with that. I'm going to say it again because y'all was asleep. Lord, making me work hard. It's third service. This is number three for me. Don't you know that whatever you're going through, Whatever hardship it is, God is working it out. There is power in these hands. Ah! Try it again. Ready? See? I told you. God's always working it out. And we don't know what God's doing, but what we do know is that God loves us and God was always working for us. Behind the scenes. So Paul goes, he's desiring to go to Jerusalem. He goes to Macedonia and Acacia first to gather the offering to take it to Jerusalem. And then Paul, notice the Bible tells us, ah, we can't forget that. Look at verse 21. He says, I must also see Rome. He's going to see Rome. Maybe not like he thinks. He's going to get there, not like he thinks. That's a whole nother sermon. God's going to get you there, not like you think. We'll leave that alone. Look at verse 23. And about that time, look at this. About that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. That's a reference to the Christian. It was a derogatory reference to the Christian. You see, the early church in the first century was considered to be a a, a cult. And people began to give them a name that was derogatory, if you will. It's very possible that the first century Christians began to tell people that they were followers of the way. Because they remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this phrase, these two words, the way, became connected to Jesus. And they began to use it. And possibly people began to use it in a derogatory way. Like, oh, you're of the way. So a great commotion arose about the way. And notice for a certain man named Demetrius in verse 24, 
he was a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation. And he said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. And this is what he was saying, that they are not gods which are made with hands. Duh. No, they're not. So not only in verse 27 is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. And now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and they cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians. These were Paul's buddies, traveling companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. And then some of the officials of Asia, who were Paul's friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the city. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice in verse 23, saints, the Bible tells us there was a great commotion about the way. There was a great disturbance about the way. There was a great persecution about the Christian way. Listen, do you know if you've been a Christian for more than a week, I think you do. When you become a Christian, there's going to be persecution. Amen, saints. I know we don't like that. And every time I say it, I get very few amens. Because we don't like persecution. We don't like a great disturbance because we're Christians. A great commotion because we're Christians. But the reality is, is there will be persecution when you become a Christian. You know, Jesus promised persecution. Now, I know that's hard to hear. But Jesus promised persecution. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 12 says, yes, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. What saints? Persecution. I don't know why, but that is not one of those promises that we lay hold of. Oh, I'm into the promises of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's me. To them that love God who are called according to his purpose. We love to lay hold of those promises of God. But how come I never hear anybody quoting, yes, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, suffer persecution. We say, that's them. <laughs> that ain't me. This is a promise. There's going to be a great commotion about being a Christian. 
If you're a Christian, you can expect it. There's going to be heat. There's going to be fire. But don't you allow Satan to back you into a corner and to silence your mouth. I thank God for Paul. He was willing to suffer persecution. As a matter of fact, check this out. The day that Paul got saved, God told him, Paul, I'm saving you to show you the stuff that you're going to have to suffer for my namesake. God told him that the day he became a Christian. What if God told you the day you became a Christian? Well, look, I know you're in Christ and all, you know, you're in me and all, you know, but uh, I want you to know the day that you give your life to me, you're going to suffer. You'll be like, God, thanks, but no thanks. You're going to suffer. And I think God, Paul was willing to suffer for Christ because of his suffering. We are saved not because of his redemptive power, but because of his willingness to suffer to get the gospel spread. If you understand, say amen. Amen. Huge, huge. So Paul is in this city. He's in the city of Ephesus. Now, if you're taking notes, a Bible student interested, Ephesus was a city that was populated with approximately 300,000 people. And it's in the city of Ephesus that is located the Temple of Diana, the, the, the statue, the goddess, the Temple of Diana. This temple in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world. The Temple of Diana, some of your Bibles, it says Artemis of the Ephesians, same name. It's in this city, give me your attention, that the Ephesians felt that the Greek god Zeus fired down this big black rock, a meteorite, onto the city, into the city. And the people took that big black rock meteorite and they erected a statue of Diana. It was a multi-breasted statue. In your Bible dictionaries, you can look up the picture and you can see it. It's pretty ugly. Multi-breasted, and that was to speak of the fact that Diana was one who would feed and nurture the city. And so they erected this statue of this grotesque goddess, this temple of Diana. So that's the statue. Now, they also erected a temple in order to have a place to put the statue. This temple of Diana was 426 feet long, 222 feet wide, 127 pillars that were 60 feet high. I tell you that to tell you this. 2,000 years ago, that was a pretty impressive sight. And so these silversmiths, are you listening? These silversmiths would make these little silver images of the temple and, and, and of Diana and they would they would they would put this little little temple and put a little image of Diana in it, and and they were made of silver. Rich people would buy the silver ones, and poor people would buy the clay ones as souvenirs. So when you came to Ephesus, you would go to the souvenir shop and you would buy Diana in a temple on a keychain, something like that. And you would take the keychain souvenir. And it's not like Disneyland stuff. I mean, that, that stuff you buy at Disneyland is Disneyland stuff. This stuff they worshipped. So they would take the little 
temple, Diana, and they'd take it into the big temple. And they would have it blessed. And they would have it anointed. And then they would take it home and keep it in the house for good luck. Needless to say, saints, listen, these silversmiths were making a killing off of these little souvenirs. And so Paul comes by with the message about Jesus. And when Paul comes by with the message about Jesus, listen close. The problem here is Paul is now messing with their money. And y'all know how folks get when you mess with their money. And so a riot breaks out. Now, this is the second time in the book of Acts we see the Gentiles causing a riot. Acts chapter 16, perhaps you were with us. You remember the demon-possessed girl in Philippi who made her masters a lot of money. And, and Paul cast the demon out. And now this girl wasn't worth anything to anyone anymore. And it started a riot. And here in Ephesus, the silversmiths, their money is being messed with. And what do they do? They call a, a meeting for the local silversmith union. Chapter 666. <laughs> and they get together. And they have this union meeting and they say, listen, our money is in danger. Listen, saints, you know, I'm looking at the news. Have you realized, have you, have you noticed in Washington today on the floor, there are more special interest groups today than ever before? Have you noticed that? And the thing is that, you know, a lot of these special interest groups, they, they, they try to get you to believe that what they're doing is, is, you know, well-intended and, and for the economy or for the environment or whatever it might be. When the reality is, saints, listen, the bottom line is the almighty dollar. The bottom line is the almighty dollar. And yet the Bible tells us at the same time that we know these things, the Bible tells us as Christians, listen, that we are to pray for the king. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our legislature. We need to pray for those in governmental authority. And I hate to preach sermons like this because, quite honestly, I don't really pray as much as I should. And I'm trying to remember, and perhaps I will after this sermon because I feel really convicted right now. <laughs> but we're to pray, the Bible says, for the king, not pray if you like the king. Say amen, y'all. Y'all know what... Y'all know where I'm going. Oh, I just don't like him. I didn't vote for him. I didn't want him in office. Well, whether you like him or not, voted for him or not, the Bible tells us Christian folk to obey God's word. And part of obeying God's word is to pray for the king, even if you don't like him. Hey, listen, when that was stated to pray for the king, guess who the king was at the time? Nutty Nero. He was a sick megalomaniac who was persecuting the church. And yet the Bible says that we are to pray for our king and pray 
for revival in our nation. Amen, saints? And pray, I love that song, Revive Us Again, because we need revival not only in the church, but first of all in our hearts and then in our nation. Amen, saints? We need revival. You know, I read this story some time ago, and perhaps you've heard it, but I want to read it again. Listen to this. It was a prayer given at the Kansas Senate at the opening session of the Senate. Listen to this. When Minister Joe Wright was asked to open the new session of the Kansas Senate, everyone was expecting the usual generalities. But this is what they heard. True story. He said he prayed, Heavenly Father... We come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good. But that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography, and we've called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today, and cleanse us from every sin and set us free. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.